expectation. If there's one thing that characterizes God's people, people that walk with God, is that they live in a constant state of expectancy. There's expectation always in our hearts. Psalm 27 in verse 14 says, Wait, be expectant for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Be in expectation of the Lord. Be in expectation of the Lord. If you have a King James Bible, the word you're seeing there is wait. Wait upon the Lord. Wait for the Lord. The problem with that word wait is that uh, it's like waiting at a bus stop. You know, you're playing with your phone, your mind's on other things, you're just, you're waiting for the bus to arrive. Your dependency is on the schedule of the bus. But this word wait is a different word. It's a potent, it's a very rich word. I've, over the years, in a number of word studies, I've come across this word and I love it. It's, it is the Hebrew word kavah, and it means to bind together, to bind together, like twisting two cords until they become one. It means to expect, to gather together, to look, to patiently tarry, to wait. In other words, to live in a state of expectation twisted together, bound together with the Word of God. And it produces expectancy in our hearts. And there's more said in the Bible about living in expectation of the Lord than almost any other topic that addresses the characterization of how we walk with God. God wants us to expect Him. He invites all of you who walk with him to live. He invites you, live in a constant state of expectation. Ask yourself, am I in a constant state of expectation? Psalm 25, verse 4 through 5, the psalmist writes, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and faithfulness and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, you only, you all together, for you do I wait expectantly all the day long. So notice that the psalmist says, Lord, teach me your ways. Guide me in your truth and your faithfulness. Teach me about your path. Because when we learn the word of God, specifically his promises, it builds expectation in us. We realize God is inviting us to live in constant expectation all day, every day, that He is going to come and do good things in our life. Most of you are familiar with Isaiah 40 and 31. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength, your little strength, your weak strength, gets traded in for his strength, his abundant strength. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew and exchange their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. What does wait mean? Is it sitting at a bus stop waiting for God to show up? 
or is it sitting at that bus stop in expectation of good that is about to arrive? Our expectancy brings the fulfillment of God's word into our life. Can you say amen? In the book of Lamentations, some of you probably haven't read Lamentations yet, but you ought to read it. It follows Jeremiah, and uh, there's a lot of nuggets in there. And one of them, in chapter 3, verse 25, says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. God is good to those who live in expectation. One of the reasons why we don't see more of the goodness of God, His healing, His deliverance, His favor when we're in times of trouble, His deliverance. The reason we oftentimes don't see those things that we read about in the Word or perhaps see in the lives of other people are because in our waiting on the Lord, we're not really waiting on the Lord. We're not in expectation. Do you expect healing to arrive? Do you expect the prosperity to come? Do you expect the victory in your struggle? Do you expect the wisdom when you ask? He invites you, ask for wisdom, and I will abundantly give you that wisdom. When you walk with Jesus, you live in a state of constant daily expectancy. Proverbs 23, 17 through 18 says, Don't let your heart envy sinners, but continue in the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord all day long. For surely there is a latter end, a future and a reward, and your hope and expectation shall not be cut off. Well, that's a great promise. That promise was made to people in the Old Testament. They didn't have what you and I had. They had the promise from prophets and from the Old Testament scripture that God was going to come. And that's why God said to them, fear the Lord. Don't worry about what sinners do. But all day long, just stay in expectation of Him because one day your future will arrive and your hope and expectation will be fulfilled. So those Old Testament saints that followed God, they lived for God, but they had to plant their expectancy in a future event. You remember it says in Hebrews that those great and, and gallant men and women of God who led such, such wonderful, powerful honorable lives of faith, they died in faith having not received the promise. That's those people where their expectation was put on hold. They had to wait until Jesus came. They looked ahead to your day and my day. They wanted and they reached out and expected what you and I have. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 10 and 16, our day is described like this. From the Old Testament, God spoke to them and said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days where, where Jesus comes. After those days that when Jesus comes, says the Lord, after those days, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. 
So today, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And God has written His covenant in our heart. If you will live according to the Word of God, if you'll keep your mind and your heart set on God's Word, there is a living covenant inside of you. And the Bible says God has written those promises on your heart. Expectation is in you. You have to dust it off. Focus on it. You need to put it forward in your mind and heart. And it'll work for you. You don't have to just hope that things will turn out. You expect things to turn out. That's what walking with Jesus does, is it causes an expectation of God and fulfillment of the good things he's done. <clears throat> Without God in the world, people in the world, their expectations depend on circumstances. People expect things in life. People who don't know God, they have expectations. But when you think about it, in the final analysis, they have to depend on circumstances turning the right way. Farmers have expectation. They wouldn't break up the field and sow seeds in the ground if they didn't expect that a crop was going to grow. But they're expecting the rain to fall. They're expecting the sun to shine. They're expecting things that depend on circumstances. And sometimes those circumstances, they could be interrupted. And guess what? The crop never comes forth. So sometimes those expectations turn to nothing. They have to hope for a lucky day. But God says to us, expect me every day. You don't have to wait for a lucky day. You don't have to wait for a day when it's going to rain. I am the rain. You don't have to wait for the sun to shine. I am the light and I live in you. Even if the circumstances aren't favorable, stop looking at the circumstances. Look to me and expect me to meet you. We say we live by faith, but the truth is most of the time we are looking at circumstance. We get excited when it looks like something's going to turn out for us. We, we get excited and we go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. The Lord is answering. But real expectation starts singing that song and shouting in the darkest hour. When it looks like, oh, FedEx came and they didn't bring my package. But expectation says, that's all right, I've already got it. I've got it. It's mine. I expect it. Whether, it. whether it came this afternoon or whether it comes tomorrow, I just thank God I've got it. It's mine. Hallelujah. I receive it. Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So when is it that you expect that you have it? When is it that you believe that you have received it? When it's delivered? At your doorstep, Jesus said, when you ask, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. So when do I believe that I receive it? When I ask. Why would I believe that I receive and expect something from God simply because I ask, rather than waiting till it shows up? Because what if I look like a fool? What if the answer is no. What if, it, what if I don't get it? 
It's because you're not asking the rain, you're not asking the earth, you're not asking FedEx, you're not asking the post office, the government, your job, or anybody else. You're not even asking your loved ones. You're asking God who said, I have done it. I have provided it. Jesus said, mind-bending things to his disciples the night before he was arrested. When he said at the Last Supper, he said, ask whatever you will in my name, it will be done. When should you believe that you receive it? When you ask. Why would you believe that it's yours when you ask? Because you're asking Jesus, who has already given it, has already provided it. Now, God spoke to Abraham. Jesus spoke to Abraham said, you shall have a son. He was 75 years old. When did he receive that son? When he was 75 years old. God even changed his name. He said, you know, you are a father of a multitude. We're going to have to change your name. You're now Abraham because you are a father of a multitude. So for 25 years, Abraham went around confessing. He wasn't trying to make a faith confession. He was simply stating a fact. I am a father of a multitude for 25 years. At any time during those 25 years, could it have been said, could it have been said that God had not provided it yet? No. God had provided Isaac. It just took 25 years for Isaac to show up. But he was just as given to Abraham the moment that God said it was his than it was 25 years later when Sarah had given birth to him. Expectancy is the state of mind that the Lord is inviting you and I to live in. Expectation. Hallelujah. As I said, the world has to depend on circumstances to line up. I'll do my part. I'll go to school. I'll get a degree. And I believe I'll have a good career and a successful life. But it does depend on a lot of other people, a lot of other things to go my way. So people have expectancy, but oftentimes their hopes are unrealized because their expectancy depends on circumstance. Are you making your requests dependent upon circumstance? If you are, God sees in your heart that you're not expecting him. You're expecting the world. I think a lot of the things that God wants to do for us get short-circuited because he sees in our heart we are depending upon the Red Sea. We're depending upon the ground. We're depending on the sky. We're depending on other people. Every time you divert your expectation to circumstances, you have to remove it from Jesus. I know you need to think about that a little bit. But thank God for repentance. Thank God we could say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I had my eyes on the water. I don't know why Peter was expecting the water to hold him up. Maybe he thought, well, I took seven steps on the water. So the water, obviously, is the walking kind of water. But then when he saw the water moving around and the wind and everything, what happened? 
His expectation was on the circumstances, and he began to sink. Jesus said, what? What did he say? Why did you stop expecting? Why did you doubt? And he pulled him up. Hallelujah. Today, I want to attack the things that attack your expectation. I want to go after them. I want you to be able to leave this morning and say, wow, I didn't realize, but I had a lot of weights. I had a lot of things hanging off of me, siphoning off my expectation. But I got myself straightened out in church today. Hallelujah. And uh, when I left, I left with my expectation intact and in charge. Hallelujah. Put your expectations in charge. Remember in the Old Testament, they had to put their expectancy of God into the future. But God said, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. I will install my covenant in their hearts and in their minds. That means you've got it. You have the promissory note. You have the covenant in you. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, God's covenant lives within you. You, before you knew Christ, you need to... You needed to focus your expectations through what is described as the law of sin and death. That's why there was so much disappointment. And that's why as a Christian, you're still in the habit of looking at the law of sin and death and calculating whether God's promises are going to be fulfilled based on whether you know any millionaires that can help you out or whether your sickness or disease has a doctor something nearby who can diagnose it and fix it for you. But Jesus said, you don't need a millionaire. You don't need a doctor. I own cattle on a thousand hills. My word is in you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. And I'd like to give you a visual of what that really means. He left you and I in this world, a world filled with, with disappointment, a world filled with circumstances that wear down expectations every day. We're in that world where there is certainly enough to wear out your expectation, but he put his covenant in you, and he says the law, everyone say law. law. You know, when God makes a law, it's a law. Do you know why the earth revolves around the sun? God's law. Do you know why a comet hasn't crashed into the earth? Although I know Al Gore and the rest of the fruitcakes can't wait for it to happen so that their awful predictions will come to pass. But guess what? God's given us this, and no comet's going to crash into the earth. The earth is eternal. It's going to last forever. In fact, at a certain point in prophetic history, yet to come. God's going to renovate the earth, and it'll be the headquarters of, of God for eternity. Hallelujah. 
So the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death because God has written that law into our hearts. And to give you that visual picture, um, if you were to jump off the top of this building because you believed you could fly, how many of you have confidence that you would take off flying and have a nice soft landing out in the yard? No, none of us do, right? We don't. That's like the law of sin and death. It's got gravity. What goes up must come down. That's the reality of life. But guess what? We who can't fly do fly every single day. How many of you have ever been in an airplane? Yeah, you've been 35,000 feet in the air flying. Amazing. That is the law of the spirit of life in Christ. The whole time the law of gravity is working on that plane, pulling on it, trying to suck it back to the ground, trying to make it crash. But that plane refuses to crash. Why? Because it's using a higher law. It was assembled with the laws of aerodynamics and the laws of thrust. And it's engineered off of higher laws. God has put laws in the universe and he's layered them. Certain laws usurp authority over lesser laws. If you think about it, you see that in life all the time. For example, uh, the ability to fly. And you know what? The law of the spirit of life in Christ working in your life doesn't mean the law of sin and death has now been completely removed. It just means you're exercising a greater law. If you've broken out to some kind of disease and you come before the Lord with expectation, Father, your word says that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my disease and with his stripes I was healed. Your word is medicine to all my flesh. I take your word as my medicine today in an expectation you take Jesus' medicine. Hallelujah. Guess what? The law that produced the sickness is still at work in you. But you are now in putting into place a higher law. So while that plane is carrying you from here to wherever it is you're going, you're operating in the higher laws of aerodynamics, but the law of gravity is still working. All you have to do is turn the engines off and you'll find out that the law of gravity is still working. But as long as you're using that law of aerodynamics, you can usurp the power and authority of the law of gravity. You can slip not only the bonds of earth, but you can slip every bond that Satan tries to put on your life when you live in expectation of the promises of God. Expectancy is the character of every Christian. The law of sin and death says your sins condemn you, so expect things to end in failure and death. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ says, you're full of Jesus, so expect to experience Jesus' life. It's as simple as that. Lord, yeah, this is me. Yeah, I just got back from the doctor. I've got cancer. Lord says, I knew that. But I already took your cancer to Calvary's cross. I know, Lord, I've I've read the Bible, I know in there, I've, I've read that. 
And so while I've got Jesus on the line, hallelujah, he reminds me, Nick, I don't have cancer. You don't? Yeah, I, I took all the world's diseases on me at the, on Calvary's cross. And when I died, they died with that body. When I was resurrected, I left it all behind. I'm not sitting up here with a box of Kleenex because some angel with a, with a cold got too close. Jesus doesn't have cancer. So if I have Jesus, I have, I have freedom from cancer living in me. You see, there is a path for your expectation if you would think straight. I know you think thinking straight is not believing in make-believe. But if God said it, and Jesus rose from the dead, that resurrection is there to declare, this isn't make-believe, this is for real. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Second Peter 1, 3 through 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, notice the past tense, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So, God knows that you are going to experience the corruption that is in the world. But because Jesus lives in you, He has, let me put it to you like this, the promise maker lives in you. You don't just have a Bible with promises. You have the promise maker living inside of you. So if you have the promise maker inside of you, he says, I've given you great precious promises. By these, if you'll take hold of them, with expectancy, with expectation, you can escape the gravitational pull of the earth's corruption, of the corruptions of life. Our expectations, our expectancy of God's promises unlock their fulfillment. Can I make it any clearer to you? When you live in expectancy, you unlock the fulfillment of His Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For every one of God's promises are yes in Him, therefore also through him the amen is spoken to the glory that we give to God. Every one of the promises are in Christ, yes. Do you, did you catch that? There are a whole bunch of promises in the Bible. Why should you expect them? Because there's a God at the other end of those promises, yes. Don't pay attention to those preachers that tell you God's saying no. Don't listen to them. Who are they? They didn't die for your sins. They didn't bear those sicknesses. They're just trying to put together fancy patches 
little networks of theology to help you over the rough times when your expectation's been removed from Jesus and you're paying attention to the circumstances of the world and you're getting the results of the world. They're trying to encourage you as a Christian and let you know God still loves you. And they're right. That's good. It's wonderful. God never stops loving you. Heaven is your home. You're going to be with Him. But we live so far beneath our privileges. We live beneath our calling. And the thing that makes the difference is the level of our expectancy. Do we expect God or do we not expect God? Have we settled? Have we allowed the serpent to come out of the fire and fasten onto our arm? Do you remember the story of the Apostle Paul? He was shipwrecked and they were marooned on an island and they crawled out of the Mediterranean Sea and they were warming themselves by the fire. The Bible says that a poisonous adder, a poisonous serpent came out of the fire and fastened itself on Paul's arm. And all of the tribal people that were standing around that had helped to get them out of the water, when they saw Paul with the serpent hanging off his arm, they said, ah, this man must be a murderer or a criminal because the gods have seen to it that even though he escaped death by the sea, the gods are not allowing him to to live and to survive. They've sent this poisonous serpent and surely in a moment he's going to drop dead. But the Bible says that God said, get off of me. I mean, uh, Paul said, get off of me. And he shook the serpent off back into the fire that it came out of. And he went back to warming his hands over. And they watched him. And when, when those tribal people saw that he didn't die, they decided he was a god. So, Obviously, Paul had to preach the gospel to them to get them straight. But do you understand what you're looking at when you see that? That's life. That's a picture of life. There are all kinds of disappointments and reasons and things that come out of the fires of life, and they fasten themselves on you and immediately begin to inject their venom. And where's that venom heading? The heart of your expectation. All these things fasten themselves to you in order to kill your expectation so that even though you're a Christian, you're going to live like you're not a Christian. You're not going to have it any better than, than somebody who doesn't know the Lord. You're not going to enjoy His covenant. You're not going to see the answers that others talk about and testify of because you've allowed the sickness from those poisonous bites to get into your mind and get into your thinking and they've poisoned you do what paul did shake that bugger off into the fire say oh no you don't shake him off you have authority to shake off every venomous attack of satan against your expectation think with me today what is the battle, the struggle, the circumstance, or the need that you're facing right now today that there is a promise of God that could meet that need, but your expectation is poisoned because of things that have happened to you, things you have seen, things people have said, things you have allowed to enter into your mind, and they are there. This morning... We're having communion, and you're going to shake those serpents off in the fire. 
I'm telling you in Jesus' name, you're going to shake them off. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I know you have the authority to do it. You have the authority to shake them off. Paul wasn't able to shake that serpent off because he was an apostle. He shook it off because he had a covenant with God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Well, I need to bring this thing in for a landing. Hallelujah. Every one of the promises of God are in Christ, yes, in Christ, amen, under the glory of God by us. By the way, before I move on from Paul shaking off the serpent, Psalm 119, verse 165 says, those who love your law, those who love the covenant, those who love the promises, have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. They shake everything off. Don't let anything cause you to stumble. Keep your expectation on two feet moving forward. And if you start to wobble, check that, catch that. Don't let yourself just go down. Don't let your expectations fall apart. Stay in daily expectation of God. Let me uh, close by just giving you a handful of a couple things that we can expect from God every single day. Number one, access. In Jesus Christ, Psalm 3, uh, uh, Ephesians 3, verse 12, in Jesus Christ our Lord, because of our faith in Him, we dare to have the bold courage and confidence of free access, an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. So have the courage and confidence to claim bold access 24-7, seven days a week. Because of Jesus' faithfulness, you can have expectancy that heaven's doors are open to you for the rest of your life until you meet him face to face. You have access every day, all day long. Number two, answers. You can expect answers. You should be expecting answers. I hope that you're not one of those Christians who think that your life is just one of toiling in prayer, but you never expect an answer. Expect answers. 1 John 5 and 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have before Him, that whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Did you catch that? You ask anything according to the Word of God, He hears you. That's fact number one. The moment you pray and you bring God's word to him and you pray according to his will, because his word is his will. Again, don't let preachers tell you that God's word is not his will for you. His word is his will for you. Hallelujah. It might not be his will for them because they don't have any expectation. If you're not going to get healed, I am. That's the attitude you need to have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sorry about your situation, but my God heals me. My God delivers me. My God is more than enough. And you know what? I don't mind living like Abraham. If I've got to go around saying, I'm a father of a multitude for 25 years before I have one child, so be it. God is still true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. The truth is, glory to God, I'm Abraham, a father of a multitude. Hallelujah.
So the first part of that is that if we pray and ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But then he goes on, the next sentence says, and if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask, then we know that we have the requests that we have asked from him. If I know he hears me, I know I have the request. Because I cannot imagine a God who I go to according to his will and his word, put it before him, and he says, I know what I said, but I don't mean it right now. If that were the case, the universe would collapse on itself the very moment that happened. The reason why we don't have it, and here's where the geniuses, you need to be careful listening to the geniuses, they'll point to your Uncle Tom and Aunt Betty and all those other people who prayed, stood on that very same scripture, and it didn't happen for them. They will build Try to build your faith on those testimonials. They'll try to say, see, that's God. That's not God, that's their situation. But God's situation is all the promises are in him, yes. And amen, praise God. Amen. What else can we expect from God every day? Comfort and peace. I expect comfort and peace. Now, sometimes I don't take that comfort and peace, but that's, that doesn't mean God hasn't given it. That comfort and peace is there every day. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So stay, keep your expectation in Jesus and expect your heart and your mind to be comforted. Shepherding care. Everybody knows Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Expect every day Jesus to lead you. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your paths. Expect God to not only lead you, but to care for you along the way. And finally, I want to close with this verse. Psalm 37, 7 through 9. Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait confidently for him. Do not fret over the apparent success of a sinner, a man who carries out wicked schemes. Do not be angry and frustrated. Do not fret. That only leads to trouble. Wicked men will be wiped out, but those who wait with expectation on the Lord are the ones who will possess the land. Today, there are all kinds of nuts running around saying, we're going to kill the earth. We're killing the planet. We're all going to die. They're teaching children in school. Expect to die when you're 17 because the evil people just keep multiplying and they're choking the life out of the earth. But that's not what the Word says. The Word says those who wait with expectation on the Lord will possess the land. Do you know why? The land belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You're never going to destroy what belongs to God. And he says, I'm going to give it to those who live with expectation. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I'd like you to close your Bible, come up front and join me. This is Communion Sunday. We're going to